0: You're listening to a podcast by the Center for Action and Contemplation. To learn more, visit cac.org. Greetings. Uh, I'm Jim Finley. Welcome to Turning to the Mystics. Uh, greetings, everyone, and welcome to our time here together. Uh which will be turning to the teachings of the Christian mystic Thomas Merton to uh, help us deepen our experience of and response to God's presence in our lives. In uh, two of these previous sessions, um, we reflected on the, on the passage, um, Merton, my Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. And we, we use this passage as um, uh, a way to, to see how Thomas Merton mentors us or models for us um, experiencing God's presence in reflective prayer. That is, in which we receive, uh, we hear God's words speaking directly into our heart in a word of scripture, the word of a, a spiritual teaching. And that word, that lexio, into our heart Initiates a kind of meditatio, a uh, discursive, reflective meditation of thoughts and images and insights illumined by faith, to uh, deepen our experience and understanding of God's presence in our life. And so we could see how then fidelity to such prayer as a daily rendezvous with God would, over time, transforms the depths of our mind and heart. That is, little by little. Uh, it helps form a kind of an underlying habitual state of discipleship, or a state of Christ consciousness, or a state of this way of being sensitized and tuned into um, the the grace nature of each passing moment of our life. In uh, in this session, I want to return to a passage in Merton where he'll be bearing witness to or helping us to understand the ways in which uh, reflective prayer uh, opens out upon a contemplative prayer, uh, like the practice of contemplative prayer. And um, uh, so uh, before I present this passage, um, first just a little bit of background for for the context of the passage. Uh, you know, in the monastery, uh, Thomas Merton was a priest in the, in the community. And um, and uh, at that time, at least the, the priests each said a mass up, um, uh, in a little uh, alcove or altar somewhere in the monastery. And since he was master of novices, uh, he would celebrate the Eucharist in the small chapel in the novitiate at the monastery, and uh, after Mass, after Eucharist, uh, he would then sit in prayer. And sitting there in prayer, looking at the altar, the bishop there in the chapel, um, he shares with us this prayer, uh, which is this prayer of bearing witness to to contemplative prayer. So I'll read the passage, and then we will uh, kind of walk through it together see what insights we can gain from it. Merton writes, sharing with us this moment of silent prayer, this contemplative prayer. Beauty of sunlight falling on a tall vase of red and white carnations and green leaves on the altar of the novitiate Chapel. The light and dark, the darkness of the fresh crinkled flower, light warm and red all around the darkness. The flower is the same color as blood, but it is in no sense whatever as red as blood, not at all. It is as red as a carnation, only that. This flower, this light, this moment, this silence, Dominus Est, God is. Eternity. He passes, he remains. We pass, in and out. He passes, we remain. We are nothing, we are everything, is in us. He's gone from us, he is not here, we are here in him. All these things can be said, but why say them? The flower is itself, the light is itself, the silence is itself, I am myself. All perhaps illusion, but no matter. For illusion is the shadow of reality, and reality is the grace and gift that underlies these lights, this, these colors, this silence. Underlies, is that true? They are simply real. They themselves are his gift. So I'd like them to reflect on this passage. You know, um, he he begins here uh, with uh, the word uh, beauty. That is, he it the the, the, the he's very con he's very present to the concrete details of the flowers on the altar, the fresh crinkled flower, the light and the dark, he's like deeply present. And in in the concrete intricacy of the flowers, he beholds the beauty of the flowers, beholds the shining forth uh, of, the, of the beautiful, a kind of a spiritual quality that shines out uh, from the concreteness of the flower's presence. And uh, in in this way, then, I'd like to suggest, because we're trying to kind of slowly find our way here in understanding the nature of contemplative prayer. And um, to say first, the contemplative prayer is marked by a certain quality of passivity. By passivity, uh, I mean uh, it's, it's it's an enrichment of experience that happens to us, like an interior event. We saw this in an earlier reflection on, um, on creation, on the world and time, or the dance of the Lord in emptiness, and in turning to see a flock of birds descending, or in a, a, a child at play, when the presence of the beloved, or a quiet hour at day's end. there There is this... Uh, uh, like the receiving of a gift of an enriched awareness see, of the presence of God in present to us in and as the presence of that to which we are awakened to the presence of God, see, to the flock of birds descending, to the child, to the beloved. or here to uh, the flowers on the altar of the chapel there. And so a contemplative prayer then is marked by a certain quality of kind of resting wordlessly in the presence of God as a grace intimately received, a quiet kind of enriched enhancement of presence. And um, uh, so that, that's, that's the mark of it, is, is, the, is, is the gift of it. But then the active part comes out in which Merton says, the flower is the same color as blood, but it is in no sense whatever, quote, as red as blood, not at all. It is as red as the carnation. Why does he say that? Because to see that it's as red as blood would be to start slipping into reflective consciousness. See in which he would be making comparisons for something like or something similar or something analogous to, as this occurs in reflective prayer, which is important and it's real, it has its own place. But here is a kind of non-reflective, intimate immediacy of a presence prior to and beyond words, beyond thought, beyond all such reflective considerations. So he sees his mind starting to go there, but then he says, not at all. And so what he does, the active part, is he actively protects the delicate subtlety of the intimate immediacy of this communion with God, present in the presence of the mystery and the gift of the flowers in this moment of silence. He, 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 he guards over his heart in a kind of a gentle... Um, uh, way he, he, he honors it by staying steadfast in the subtlety um, of this uh, of the sense of wordless communion of God. And then in this wordless communion and always kind of sharing with us a series of paradoxes. Um uh to help it's almost uh, it's a series of paradoxical statements that are intended to uh, uh, help us not slip off into to reflective processes and reflection. <clears throat> In other words, there might be a series of things that come to him. I'm thinking of there's Jacob Bohm, you know the the nuclear physicist. There's a fascinating series of audio talks with Mr. Krishnamurti. And as Bohm um, uh, makes this statement, he says in the dialogue with Krishnamurti, he said, a little truth is a truth in which the opposite is false. A great truth is a truth in which the opposite is also true. So now is a kind of a litany of paradoxes, of a kind of enriched um language that uh, kind of invites or helps sustain this presence. By the way, I I think in the chanting of the psalms, uh, in the chanting of the psalms, uh, in the cadences and the rhythmic chanting of the psalms, you get the same sense of words in the the rhythmic cadences of the words as to invite a sustained, deepening awareness um, that precedes and transcends reflective considerations. So Merton writes, "This flower, this light, this moment, this silence, God is." That is in 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 the presence, in the concrete immediacy of the presence. of this this flower, the presence of God is realized. Or put it another way, it's the realization that God is the infinity of the intimate immediacy of the flower's presence. And the intimate immediacy of the flower's presence is the presence of God. This flower, this light, this moment, this silence, dominus est, see, God is. Uh, eternity. So this is a, a kind of a timeless moment of time in the midst of time. Uh the pleroma the the, the like the, the this the, this fullness uh of enriched timelessness of uh the depth dimension in a moment in the passage of time. Like what Richard Rohr refers to you know as deep time. And then he starts in a series of paradoxical statements, and kind of this, uh, the, temp, the, the the eternality of this uh, quiet awareness. Merton says, speaking of God, He remains. God remains, and we pass. Yes, it's true. God alone remains. It's like the the the, the, the bookmark of Saint Teresa of Avila. Mm. Let nothing disturb thee. Let nothing frighten thee. All things are passing. God alone remaineth. Patience obtains all things. And so God eternally remains. That is God. It's a beginningless, endless, boundaryless, oceanic presence, uh, without be- that never, never began or never, never end. And so God, God remains, and we we pass. It isn't just that we pass. Uh, out of this moment of clarity, which we do. It slips away from us. But we all pass away. We pass away into the mystery of death. See, we're all sitting here uh, moment by moment, passing away. We're all sitting here melting like candles. We perpetually are passing away in the presence of God that never passes away. See, he passes. He remains. We pass in and out in and out, then he passes, God who remains passes. But how does he pass? He passes from our awareness. That is, he's right here, the presence of God intimately realized. And then as mysteriously as it arrived, it, it slips away from us. He passes and we remain. We're sitting here empty handed in the, in the presence of ourself, now not able to find the presence of God that just a moment ago was holding us in its presence. We remain, we are nothing. See, we are nothing in the sense in which the, the infinite presence of God is infinitely presencing itself in and as the gift and the miracle of our very presence. So that if God would cease loving you, if God would cease loving me into this present moment at the count of three, at the count of three, we would vanish away, for we are nothing. We are absolutely nothing, apart from the infinite presence of God, this presencing itself is the gift of the miracle of our very presence in our nothingness without God. And in this sense, see, we, we are nothing. Look at this later in another other reflections on dread and the dark night and the, and the the nothingness. And we are nothing, we are everything. How so? We are everything in God, whose presence is presencing us forth in and as a participatory sharing and communion in the infinite presence of God as our destiny. We are nothing without God. And yet, at the deepest, deepest, deepest sense, we are never without God, for God's sustaining love pours itself out and is giving itself to us as the very reality of our life, each breath, each heartbeat. See, he is in us. The kingdom of heaven is within you. He's in the innermost, the imminence of God within ourselves. He is in us, yet he's, he's, he's gone from us. We can't find him. He's beyond us. He is not here. I look around, I see the chair, I see the walls of the room, I see the table, but I, I don't see God. He, in some sense, an ego consciousness He's God is not here. And yet although God is not here, we are here in him. It's not just that God's in us, but we're in God, and we are in God, hidden with Christ and God before the origins of the universe. And then Merton says, all these things can be said, but why say them? <clears throat> you kind of uh, you sit in the in this uh, litany of riddles uh, that keeps unraveling the inability to find a footing in sequential thought. And you could go on and on and on in this way, but but why say it? Why, why say it? You come, to this kind of silence, Thomas Merton once, you know, in the monastery, when I was, the, the monks were there in silence, didn't talk to each other. When I was there, you used sign language to communicate. You didn't. You lived like in communal silence together, fostering this presence of God. And on major feast days, one of the monks, the priest, would give a sermon to the community in the chapter room, and. Uh, uh, he, uh, Thomas Merton in one of the talks to the monks in the monastery, he said, I'm always humbled <clears throat> when I'm asked to speak in this place because everything said here should come out of silence. <clears throat> and everything said here should come out of silence to renew and deepen uh, the silence, the eternal silence of God who's speaking us. Can we become so silent that we can hear God speaking us in all things into being? So all these things can be said. <clears throat> But why say them? The flower is itself, the light is itself, the silence is itself, I am myself. This is the intimate immediacy of the presence of myself, the flowers, this moment in silence. All perhaps illusion, but no matter for illusion is the shadow of reality, in reality is the grace and the gift that underlies all these lights, these colors, this silence. That is, there's a kind of um, a, a shadowy play of light. Um, uh, the illusory nature of all phenomena and it's nothingness without God. That, that's that sense. But then he says, uh, underlies, is that true? They are simply real. They themselves are his gift. And what is his gift? It's the gift of himself. That is the the gift, the gift is the gift of God's very presence given to us whole and complete in and as the gift and the miracle of our very presence, the presence of this moment, the presence of the room, the presence of, of the concreteness of life itself a sacrament of God. Now notice here, I think, notice how subtle this is. Uh, this is not e- ecstasy or rapture. That happens. Speaking about this later in other reflections. There is a rapture. We're kind of like lifted above ourselves. Uh, this is not a rapture in that in that kind of rhapsodic sense of the presence of God. It's much closer, to say, to Meister Eckhart's sense of having a virgin mind. It's subtle, 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 subtle. And so a lot of the practice is, uh, I think, learning to uh, calibrate our heart to kind of the subtle sensitivity in which we can begin to sense these ever so delicate uh, realizations. <clears throat> and um um uh, and so uh I I think this then is that um you can see how I, I think to me what the lesson is this is that um this this contemplative communal consciousness, it's like it's not hard to find, it's hard to stop running from it. Where it's not hard to find, it's hard to stay childlike in a sustained attentiveness long enough for it to begin to have its way with us. That is, just as it's about to begin, we get up and walk away. And uh, so how can we learn to befriend the kind of sustained stance that offers the least resistance to such intimate, delicate uh, unfoldings happening in our mind and heart, as it's given to us to do so. And uh, so by befriending this, um, we can ask as we end the meditation, understood in this sense, to ask God for the grace uh, not to break the thread of this awareness as we get up and go through our day. That is it, there's an an arc of habituated transformation in which the rhythms and cadences of this delicate sensitivity can begin to manifest itself as if out of the corner of our eye in a chance encounter with someone or looking out the window or uh, opening a door. There's these little glimpses where it becomes more and more an habituated sense of this presence and then this presence, this non-reflective presence then, illumines our reflections and deepens our reflections. This this deep silence, and it's a silence out of which we then speak out of that silence and share it with other people as the prophetic word that touches hearts. And the stillness is the stillness out of, that is incarnate in our acts of helping and serving others, uh, acts of compassionate service in the world so with that then let's end then with, with our with meditation and again as always here very briefly to sit in meditation but if you're so inclined um, during the week to sit and listen to this reflection and then do a sit do a reflection and continue in the silence meditative stillness as long as you're inclined to do so as, as uh, you foster and deepen your own practice, whatever that might be. So I invite you then to to sit straight, uh, fold your hands and bow. Repeat after me. Be still and know I am God. Be still and know I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Mary, Mother of Contemplators, pray for us. Meister Eckhart, pray for us. Mithilda Magner, pray for us. Blessings. Uh, Until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Turning to the Mystics, a podcast created by the Center for Action and Contemplation. We're planning to do episodes that answer your questions. So if you have a question, please email us at podcasts at cac.org or send us a voicemail at cac.org forward slash voicemails. All of this information can be found in the show notes. We'll see you again soon. Do you feel called to walk a more contemplative path? The Center for Action and Contemplation is an educational nonprofit supporting the journey of inner transformation. Our programs and resources will help grow your consciousness, deepen your prayer practice, and strengthen your compassionate engagement with the world. Learn more about our resources, such as publications, podcasts, email series, and events at www.cac.org.